Hello and welcome to episode 4 of This Too Shall Pass, a brand new podcast about mental health uh, with myself, Stephen Donald Dalzell. Um, I, I do that every week where I introduce myself and then talk about what the podcast is and then I have an intro which does the exact same thing. So I appreciate everybody who's tuning in and listening to this and wasting your time listening to me talking drivel. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode where I talked to Dr. Um, Gary, Aguer, <laughs> Gary Adair Gilliland, who is a GP in Belfast about mental health and the impact of lockdown and uh, the COVID pandemic on the mental health of our uh, frontline NHS workers. I found it really interesting. So I've decided to keep the theme of interviews going. And this week I'm going to be talking to the wonderful talented and all-round amazing person, uh, Dermot Devlin. Dermot, if you don't know him, is um, somebody I've wanted to talk to for quite a long time now. Um, We follow each other on Twitter, have done for a while, I think, and, you know, I get to talk to him every so often, but this is the first time I've actually been able to talk to him, not face-to-face, but voice-to-voice. He is the founder of My Way Access, which is a disability advocacy group based in Oma, but covers all of Northern Ireland. And he was also the winner winner of the Amnesty International Brave Award 2020 for his work on making lives uh, or making life better and easier for people who are living with disabilities, which is something that's very close to my heart. I my father, who has since passed away a couple of years ago. Um, lived with Parkinson's disease for most of my childhood and um, up until he passed away obviously in 2016 and as somebody who lived in a family where the um, matriarch um, or patriarch sorry not not matriarchal patriarch was suddenly unable to work unable to drive um, lost his independence in a lot of ways because of his disability um, I know it had a massive impact on his mental health as well. So we're going to get right into it. I'm going to play my cheesy intro and then I'm going to start the interview. Thank you. You're listening to This Too Shall Pass podcast, a show about mental health. This is Stephen Donandalzel, your host. Hello, and so today, as I was saying in the intro there, I'm going to be talking to um, the lovely Dermot Devlin, who is one of OMA's finest exports. Um, our Dermot does a lot of work around advocacy for people who live with disabilities. Um, he's going to be on BBC Northern Ireland True North on Monday night to talk about living with um, a disability through lockdown. And also, he'll be on BBC Five Live some point this week with Nikki Campbell to talk about that too. So, Dermot, thanks so much for joining me. It's a real pleasure to get finally speaking to you. I, I really mean that. How are you keeping? Well, first of all, Stephen, uh, thank you very much for inviting me to be a part of your podcast program. Um, I said things mm-hmm. haven't been too bad with me now. Like, uh, I know a lot of people now are talking about, you know, how they're going to deal with uh, lockdown number two, but I'm still, like many other disabled people, Still on the middle of lockdown number one, and I'm on mm-hmm. day two hundred and forty something now. But um, I'm managing it. It's not been easy, but I'm managing it. Been good days and bad days, like a lot of people. Yeah, and how have you been managing? Because I know, you know, I talk about mental health quite a bit, and my experiences in mental health 
are different from everybody else's. So how, how have how have you been managing throughout all this, Dermot? Well, uh, at the very beginning, I, I was um, I got myself into a bit of a bit of a state, like um, you know, I got very reclusive. Like even my mum and dad mm-hmm. were like, "UK Dermot," you know. But I mm-hmm. like like yourself, I wouldn't. I'm beginning to be a bit more open about sort of mental health and all now. But uh, back in the day, just, you know, you saw stereotypes and stigma. You didn't really feel like you could yeah. speak out. But I wouldn't call people now because I'm beginning to know, and it, it does take a bit of the weight off your shoulder. But at the beginning of lockdown, I just I just found it very hard because uh, it wasn't so much that um, I had to stay indoors because you know if you if you're a disabled person, that's that can be a part of your life. Not necessarily mm-hmm. like twenty four seven, but there will become periods of life where you might have to because of health reasons, uh, stay with him for maybe a month or two. So that part of it didn't really bother me too much other than I was gonna miss my uh usual lifestyle because as you know yourself, even I'm uh, I can be pretty social a lot of the times with different things. Mm-hmm. But what did affect me the most was uh looking at other people's attitudes online and on the in the media, so like whether newspapers or the, the news and stuff, you know, talking about uh, that they don't want to go into lockdown for two months or maybe even two weeks, because like what what sort of a life is that? And you know, they'd rather mm-hmm. they'd rather be dead and having to stay in for maybe three or four weeks, and that's just made me realize. Yeah. And a lot of people uh, who are disabled, like I mean, just realize how much value that they put on their lives, on our lives. If that's what they're thinking about their own life, that it's not worth living when they're going to be enclosed for two or three weeks yeah that's actually again this is the privilege of somebody who is able-bodied i never actually considered that um and if, if i did it wasn't a serious consideration and that must be incredibly disheartening and frustrating to see that those kind of attitudes from people who don't it's it's i, I thought people were selfish before this this pandemic has really opened my eyes to how selfish people can be. Um, but that is was, that your experience as well? But that is like myself. Like I know quite a few super people, and we do be talking about this quite online, online, and maybe on the phone quite regularly. But the, like we, we we always knew there was that element in society that was there, and we accepted it. We didn't like it, but we accepted it. But we do think now in the current climate, when it comes to um, COVID, um. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but maybe certain political climates, mm-hmm. whether it's more locally here in uh, Ireland or in the UK, or maybe a little further afield in America, it has given people more carte blanche to be more open about just how they really feel and uh, the hell what that means to anybody else. And it, it, it can be very hurtful, and it does impact on your own mental health because you're looking at that and you know, the, the voice in your head is just saying, maybe they're right, maybe. My life doesn't have the same sort of value as your blogs. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, that I can't imagine how difficult that is. You know, I've I've seen the attitudes of people talking about. Well, one thing that's really been getting up my nose is the attitude of people who are anti-lockdown or anti-mask or whatever you want to call it. They think they're COVID hoaxers, whatever you call it, and. They're talking about, oh, well, we need to reopen. We can't have a lockdown because it's going to be bad for people's mental health. I never heard any of these people talking about mental health before all this happened. Well, one of the things that I actually found out in my way actually quite recently, but not a lot of people picked up on it, even from my regular uh, contributors, that, you know, I had actually said that uh, pretty much what you were saying there now, Stephen, that uh, 
you know, really people can like lock down is very bad for mental health and stuff like that. And it does come from the same sort of people that are anti maskers, anti vaccinators and stuff like that. But they're not taking into the same way and they're saying, yes, this is bad for mental health. I can understand in a real world why that is, and I'm not going to dispute that, but I think they're taking advantage of that. But what they're not, but they're also doing as well, and nobody seems to be really picking up on that. There's all this sort of, you know, we have to take the mask off, and we have to do this, we have to do that, we can't conform to what the government wants. That's actually having a terrible impact on people's mental health as well. And, you know, so, you know, yeah. they can't say what one side of the coin that they're doing that and not relating that they're contributing to the same issue on the other side of the coin. Yeah, very very true, actually, yeah. Um, they're prolonging the the issue rather than contributing to any kind of solution. Um, yeah, has it been... I, I know that there's been a lot of talk around... Um, you know, shielding people who are vulnerable and shielding the elderly. But there's also the other side of that where people are talking about, well, it's almost it's almost as if, and I hate to say this because I don't agree with it at all, but it's almost as if there's an acceptable amount of people or accept, an acceptable category of people that it's okay that they're expendable throughout all this no, so long as it means that we can get back to the economy. No, that, that is definitely true. Like, I mean... I can only say from my recent experience, Stephen, I, I don't know if you've noticed, yeah. I'm not so bad now, but last month you probably might have noticed me getting a bit angry on Twitter, and when I did, yeah. and when I wasn't tweeting, I was very quiet, I did, like a few people have picked up on that, but that was regard to um, a Facebook page that I was on, like a local newspaper, and we're just talking mm-hmm. about the, the new wave that was coming on, and it was the beginning of the local lockdown here, which was, I think it was like three weeks ago now. The masses in my head. They went yeah. so that they just saw Melvin on the one night. But there was one fellow yeah. was on it and he was just saying, you know, we have to open up the economy, we have to be safe. You know, and I've been quite diplomatic because I usually try to be, you know, and I was saying, like, you know, <laughs> I can understand about the economy and all that there, but, you know, you have to protect the people around you as well. So he came back to me. Yeah. And he was saying, well, I'm okay, I'll not get it. And I said, well, maybe you'll get it, but you might be okay because you're fit and healthy with that. No, no means to say how bad you'll get it, but even if you are lucky enough not yeah. to be affected badly, you could pass it on to a loved, a loved one who would be vulnerable, or pass it on to somebody who could pass it on to somebody else who's vulnerable, and that could lead to their death. And I said, potentially, yeah, exactly. I, I said potentially, I know somebody because it was from a local area that I know somebody that knows him, and I could end up getting it and dying from it. And his response was, "Yeah, well, as long as the economy gets up and running and is safe." I don't care who does. I just I, oh my god! Just put me until a, a three weeks spiral of both being quiet and angry at the same time. I mean, I actually don't have any words for that. That's the a disgusting attitude to have about anybody. Um, That's, uh, another I'm so sorry, well. okay. I'm so sorry you had to. Read that? Well, probably not just the way that it is now, but I'm being very lucky because I'm feeling that I don't see it face to face. Although, um, a, a friend of ours who's actually living in Wales now, she actually came to it. She got that attitude to her in a shop face to face during the week. And it's really, yeah. like I just, my heart went out, went out to my friend. You know, so it, it, So somebody actually said, your friend, somebody said that exact sentiment to your friend to their face? Yes. In a shop. It was just oh my horrifying, God. like, 
and that just shows you that people are just it just it just the world we're living in now with clear COVID and that because of the current climate as well with political climate that people are getting a little bit less selfish a little bit more selfish sorry to a less a little yeah. less empathetic to the people around them as long as as long as they're okay in their little world doesn't be affected them doesn't matter about anybody else. It's not good enough, and I, I'm, I, you know, I'm not gonna say what I think, but, um, I just hope that your friend is okay, um, after that ordeal because I don't know if I would have been able to hold my tongue, um, or be responsible for my own actions. I, I like my 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 father, um, who has since passed away. He he had Parkinson's disease for a long time since he was in his forties, and he he passed away four years ago. Um, and that is a not that exact sentiment, but you would see people looking at him and judging him because he looked or he walked differently or he moved differently, and almost as if that he was a nuisance. And I know that that affected him. I know that that impacted his mental health because he then started to believe, in a lot of ways, that he was a burden and a nuisance, and it was hard to support him through that. Very difficult. No, but I can understand how you felt. I must have felt because, you know, as you know, Stephen and I were quite strong in that respect. But there are days that you yeah. do feel it more than others, and you know, you can you can almost feel the eyes looking at the back of your head. And you can almost hear you yeah. can almost hear the whispers between people, and you know, the finger pointing and stuff like that. And and I know other people, not particularly here, but in England and America and all like who would, would have doors open. And you would you would catch them people going past with the camera phone, trying to get a picture of the, the funny little man. That's horrific. Like that's horrendous. Um, you know, thankfully when my father had Parkinson's, you know, it was there for most of the time that he had it, it was before the time that people had access to things like that and weren't you know, they probably did do it, but he wasn't aware of it. I'm quite glad of that. Mm-hmm. But he spent a lot of time indoors because his independence was taken away from him by the, the illness. Um, but let's let's talk about something that's a bit more hopeful. And what what is it that what do you do to um what do you what do you do to relax? What do you do to in, in, enjoy your your day? Because it must be I don't I, I can't say what it's like in Oma, <laughs> but I know in Belfast it's things are pretty limited as of what we can do uh, on a day to day basis now. Well, I've actually, in the meantime, because I've been sort of in lock, lockdown, like a personal lockdown, so in the March, mm-hmm. so I've moved back to my mum and dad's house out in Green okay. Castle Throne, so that's basically in, in, in the middle of the Spurring Mountains, so you know, there's not a lot of yes. immunities, so I've just pretty much been staying from the house by myself with my, my parents and my brother, but my brother and his family left next door, so we, we were mixing there in the gardens and stuff, yeah. but at the moment, I... I'm the kind of guy that um, I'm left on my own device and doing nothing. You know, that's when I sort of start to get anxious again and you know, the mental health. Mm-hmm. So people might laugh at me go, oh, God, damn it, you're always busy. Why, why don't you take some, some time to relax? Especially now during COVID, like, but this has been going on through all my life. But I'm the kind of guy, like, the, if I stop and take breath, that's when I start to get affected again with mental health. So um, yeah. at the moment, what I'm doing is I'm doing a course, level three course, with Crack and A in Belfast. So I'm doing that through Zoom. It's almost finished now on the cultural Brilliant. awareness training. So I'm hoping now that um, something I've always wanted to do is actually get trained up how to be a trainer. 
so that I can go to businesses and organisations yeah. and just train them up on like uh, on disability awareness, so they know what they need to be prepared to whether they're going to employ someone who's disabled, or if they want to encourage uh, disabled customers into their business or new members into an organisation, what they need to be aware of. So I'm hoping they, that this training can be done through Crack and I as well, who who do provide training for different types of organisations. So I would hopefully be working with them to uh, to do it remotely. I mean at this time anyway to let them know what needs to be done but as well as that there like I, I also record my own podcast as well along with uh, Felicity McKee called Access All Areas um, it's basically about the uh, disability issues that's happening uh, that week in the current climate so like we did touch on mental health as well but I think a lot of things we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks is Donald Trump but hopefully we'll not be talking about him for too much longer <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I mean, did you just use my podcast to advertise your own Dermot? That's that's wild. Uh, well, I'm, I'm very tricky, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I mean, I haven't actually got listened to your podcast yet, but if you don't mind, I'm going to put a wee link to it um, when I publish this. Um, but I've seen you advertise it as well. And how did you get into that? Because I, I, I just kind of started this because it was, well, bored and when I'm sitting around doing nothing, like you were saying, or taking a break, I, I find that my mental health then starts to dip because then there's no distraction from the the voice in my head that tells me that, you know, I'm rubbish, blah, 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 blah. So I just started this as a way of relieving that stress a wee bit. How did you get into it? Well, pretty much uh, that's one of the main reasons I got into it as well because I think it's better when you verbalise things to get it out of your system, it kind of helps. Mm. But as well as that, it also is a good platform to educate people as well. But it is something that I've been wanting to do for a couple of years. But, you know, before COVID, we were always saying to ourselves, mm. we don't have time to do this, we don't have time to organise this here. But then when COVID realised, you yeah. know, many things that people have said that it's not important anymore that you have to focus on other things away like you know I more time than I actually thought I had so I took the time out to actually yeah. uh, learn a bit by podcast and how to record and edit and publish it but I always felt that uh, I wouldn't be strong enough to do it on my own in the sense I always, I always felt like it's for me in a way like on a personal basis it's always good to bounce ideas off somebody so you know that you that yeah. um, you'd you don't just run on with the one narrative. So if somebody disagrees with you, then they can come on and stuff like that. So I've been chatting to, uh, I think it's a mutual friend of ours, Stephen Placidy uh, McKee. So uh, he yes. runs, uh, they run um, Chronically Fabulous. So Placidy yes, yeah. has joined me then on the podcast. So the three of us publish that. We try to do that um, every week, but sometimes because we're both disabled, the health maybe take priority at certain times yeah. that we let it go. So there's been a few, we're coming up to episode 10 now soon. But as I say, but, uh, no, it's been pretty good when we're enjoying it. And, it, and as I say, it's great for the mental health as well because, you know, it's a, it's a good way of verbalizing sort of you're, you're in a dialogue and letting people know what's going on in your head. And hopefully that uh, people can take a few lessons away from that. Because I even know from some of the comments that I've been getting on Facebook, like, um, I kind of put up a post the other day because one of the words disabled people hate them, I, I hate as well, Stephen, I'm sure you probably got it a few times yourself, is um, been called, been told that you're inspirational. Inspirational, um, It's just yeah. like, uh, <laughs> yeah. like nails down a blackboard. 
but <laughs> so I kind of put up a post about that. But yeah. but of course, like you know, as much as you try to help people, the comments they have come back up with your inspiration and all that, like oh, God Almighty. But one of the two comments yeah. that did take away from that that actually did mean a lot to me is that they actually put a bit of sub- some of them put a bit of substance to what they were saying rather than just a blanket inspirational. And one or two had actually said that listening yeah. to the podcast had opened their eyes regarding to uh, what it is to be disabled. In fact, someone re- didn't realize the importance of wearing a mask and washing the hands. Unbelievable. But there you go. So they now were more conscious. Wow, they were okay. conscious because I've actually heard somebody that's actually pleading, or not pleading, but sort of saying why it is important from somebody from a high risk category yeah. themselves saying why it is important so it makes them think twice and actually do this before they leave the house so if one person can take that away then i'm i'm happy <laughs> that's fantastic that is no that's that's great and it's it's i actually read your your um post um or um, i think it was yours about the word inspirational and how it's a real bugbear for people who live with a disability um also the word that my dad hated was being called brave oh, that's another word and <laughs> um, another word they used to be called them uh, yeah back in the 80s and early 90s was special you're special oh god stop that yeah <laughs> god yeah like i know there's a bit of a hangover from that uh with with maybe people of an older generation but it's just yeah my dad my dad hated being called brave or strong or courageous because in his eyes he was just dealing he was he, he was just um playing the card he'd been dealt unfortunately and there was nothing else he could do except get on with oh, things yeah, like, people that and, to call me inspirational and pretty much like your dad brave and special and strong and i can kind of have to laugh say well you know what i can i can be a bit of an asshole too like <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's not a side of you that I've ever encountered, <laughs> but um, I find that hard to believe because you're you seem like a, a genuinely lovely guy online and <laughs> offline as well. Um, but the the project, the organization, sorry that you founded My Way Access. What kind of brought that about? If you don't well, mind me well, asking, I started to a personal experience a number of years ago. Uh, one of my close friends was getting married, and he was he wanted to have a tag day in Belfast. But it's but uh, okay. It's going to be a sample like travel up from home and back home that night, same night. So it wasn't going to be a wild night anyway. But mm. you know, we still wanted to enjoy yourself. So <laughs> we had, uh, but he wanted to make sure that that was inclusive for me. So I said I'd find out mm-hmm, yeah. what is acceptable and what isn't. So I'd ring around all the bars and stuff, and how they come up, total access, total access. And one of the places I contacted was the uh, Duke of York. In Belfast, for some, yeah, you're probably familiar with Stephen, including the nice, like, I am. I've been there a couple of times. But they told me, Yeah, there's no problems, yeah, accessible for uh, disabled people or anybody in a wheelchair. So I said, Oh, great. So I said to my friend, Boy, well, you know, there's a place right in the corner of the steaks, we'll go there, get a bite to eat. We love steaks, that was great. And then we'll spend the night there and then uh, the York. So we went to Duke York and the whole place was cobbled. Which is a nightmare for wheelchair users, yeah. but but yeah, we'll give them a value in that because they'll get in wheelchair over it. It's not pleasant, it's uncomfortable, and can it be can be painful at times. Yeah. But you know, I can still do it. But uh, to get into actual some of the bars, 
huge steps. And even to get into the wheelchair, the disabled toilet, you had to get up a lot of steps as well, which was a joke. And I, I, I use a man, electric wheelchair. So I actually said, like, to the person, like, I mean, yes. I was told this is, accept- uh, this is accessible for wheelchair users, disabled people. Um, mm-hmm. there's a, oh, yeah, there's well left game. I was like, that's not, that, what? not acceptable, like. That's really not. That's so, uh, horrible. I'm surprised. What I'm well, I'm also I'm not surprised, but I'm not surprised. Like, um, I remember, um, and you know, uh, the ultra unionist MLA for East Belfast, yeah, Andy yeah. Allen. Um, I I met him for a coffee a couple of years ago to talk about. I can't remember. Obviously, it was political, whatever it was. But um, I I I brought um, I I met up with him at the Starbucks on Great Victoria Street, and. You'd think in an area that is as busy and central as Great Victoria Street, you'd have, you know, complete accessibility. No, he, I actually had to help him um, up the step um, into the cafe, which is on a, a main thoroughfare throughout a big city. And I was mortified. And he, Andy's a gentleman and he, he took it in his stride and th- said, you know, that's, that's fine. He wasn't bothered about it. But it's just and this. It's just not. It's not acceptable. It's an right. afterthought, and that must be. That must play have havoc with your mental health. It's right. Understand where I'm coming from in the sense that you know it doesn't bother him because, and some level it does. Because some level it does me, but it just become uh, part of life now. That well, this is the way it is. So mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot we can do about it in that respect. But it. it but as you say, it, it's not nice to be treated like an afterthought, but that's basically what I set up my way access rules about, is so that I can actually highlight and let people see, you know, where it is and where it is acceptable, accessible for disabled people, not just regarding uh, the physical layout and physical access onto it, but, but more crucially as well as, you know, what the staff attitude is like, because I've been to places where, you know, you know yeah. accessibility has been reasonable, you know, not something... Maybe a couple of issues get fixed, but you mm. wouldn't have a you wouldn't complain about it. But the staff, they were sort of like you would get the impression get on and out as quick as you can because you're not exactly a quote unquote clientele. If that makes sense, it's happened to me a couple of times, and uh, not just yeah. from shops, but like nightclubs and that. But so my way access was just to set up yeah. that, that people actually see where where in is that will suit their needs, but. More quickly than that, that they can add to the review or add their own review to a place that's not listed so they can give their personal experience. So it's just not me talking about what I thought, but people can add their own voice so they can they can give a bigger, colourful picture of what's happening because look, yeah. every business is not going to be perfect 100% of the time, 100% every day. So I might have just went them at the yeah. wrong moment and got them at the wrong time. Well, someone else can come on and go, no, no, I've been there a few times and it's quite good. So that's what I sort of want to do that. But it's actually sort of developed into that yeah. more because basically that's how I set up was for a website, but set up a wee Facebook page just so I could link the articles and link and I post. But yeah. it's actually become a bit of a voice for a lot of disabled people. You know, so they would talk about their issues and stuff which has sort of opened up a lot of doors for me in respect that I... Now I chair the Young Access Farm, which is basically a lobbying group for disabled people to ensure that uh, shops and premises and businesses and organisations are accessible for people with disabilities. But I'm also now the 
the vice chairman of the Pamana Noma District Council Disability Advisory Group. So I'm sort of getting myself into positions now that when people are telling me like what their issues are, both locally and wider, that I can actually take it to the authority and actually have a bit of authority behind me when I'm telling them that this needs to be sorted out. It's rather yeah. than just sort of being one of these people that are frantically typing on Facebook or Twitter that this isn't right, yeah, 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 that I'm actually, because I don't think that was a well or a good lot of the time. You know, it's maybe good to get it off your chest, but unless you try to make the connections and get in there and actually try and drive the changes, you know, whether it's in government level or whether it's a council level or whether it's sort of within the different organisations that you have the issues for, then nothing's going to happen, you know, because, you know, I always find that uh, things happen a lot quicker if you engage with people and be polite. So a lot of sometimes being polite can yeah. be hard. But, you know, if you engage them in a civilised manner, rather than shouting at them, banging on an anonymous put account, because that puts a lot of people off and the, the less is, the more resistant to listen to what your plea does and even then they'll probably not be willing to change it, make the different changes for you. So I think I think it, but I think that's a voice now that many disabled people are sort of getting behind, not just my reaction, but there's a few different organizations now that are sort of, you know, trying to get people behind them to shout as a, yeah. a single voice to make the changes and even within these organizations, like myself and others, that they, they sort of work through each other as well. So they were all singing from the same um, sheet, we're all, we're all trying to say the same thing. So they were sort of screaming from one microphone, then having maybe 100, 200 different voices shouting three or four different things. Yeah. So whatever they hear, there's a big voice. Because at the end of the day, they were like, disabled people make up one fifth of the population. And we can, we can do, can we do yeah. contribute 274 billion pounds to the UK economy annually. So people do need to listen to us. Yes, I couldn't agree more. And you, you, you beat me too. I was going to ask you about your work on uh, the council at the council level. Um, so basically, what you're saying is that you are, in fact, an incredibly busy man. So much so that you actually um, set up another organisation to give yourself some work. But that's, you know, the how do I put this? Um, that's why. I, that's why I wanted to talk to you, Dermot, because. You're one of the few people I see that is so impassioned and um, committed to making things better for others, and it, and you've talked about mental health before openly on on social media and that. And what keep what can I ask? What keeps you going? What keeps you motivated? Well, to me, it's not actually too sure of myself. I think it's just a fear that if I stop, then maybe my mental health will start to take over. Um, as well as that, if I stop, like, who's going to take over? You know, there are plenty of people there, mm. but, you know, I'm not going to take away from them because, you know, they're equally as doing an important job as everybody else. But I just feel like unless I get in there and do my bit, then maybe things mightn't happen. But maybe that's just me and my incredible ego, I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I mean, it sounds like you, that sounds like a lot of pressure. And I, I kind of identify a wee bit with that as well because, you know, I have a bit of a, what do you call it, saviour complex. I feel like I have to fix all the world's evils. And 
that that is not good for my mental health because then whenever I hit a brick wall, I see that as a personal okay, failure. Then, like on the flip side, but like I you think, can, can identify with what you're saying there, but I could also flip it around and go because as well as feeling like they have to do that and they need to do that and all that, there, uh, it's it's also added to the fact I've also got what you would call, you know, imposter syndrome. It's like well, why am I in this organization? Why are people oh, talking okay. to me? Even when you contacted me for this podcast. The wee boy, my ear room, what do you want to talk to me about? Because <laughs> I've nobody. So even though I'm doing all this, um, I do try to I do try to congratulate yourself to yeah. do it, but at the same time I'm just like, No, no, you're just locking your whole way through this. You you're bluffing. You know, so it's kinda kinda how I how yeah. the marry the two yeah. together. Imposter syndrome is something that I experience on the regular and it's the most infuriating, frustrating thing in the world because even when <laughs> you say about when I contacted you, you had that. I, whenever I contacted <laughs> you, I had that because I was. I thought, why is Dermot gonna want to talk to me? Sure, I'm nobody. Just got a wee podcast. Why is he want to? He's, he's too busy. So I think. So we're both yeah. thinking that about each other. <laughs> yeah, well, no, we're thinking that about each other, which is good, and maybe people yeah. need to be a bit more open with each other about how they how, how, how they take strength from one another and how they see each other as if you will excuse the phrase um, inspiring to keep each other going to do the things that they enjoy and that, that is doing good for other people because I do get a lot of strength and a lot of motivation from the things that you do and you know I always think about um, ways that I could be doing better for my community no, like I and for even my client sort of like work. A, you know, some of the stuff you were talking about, like I, you're, you're definitely a smarter man than I am, Stephen. Sorry, smarter, smarter, sorry. I heard that's not that personable. You're okay, no, you're okay. Let's not push the phone right here. As I say, you're definitely a smarter person than I am because you know, some of the stuff you're talking about is just beyond my scope of knowledge, but you know, but that's not to take away from what, what I'm doing, but it's just that, uh, you know, I've just let you know that you're... No, not you know, at all. I'm definitely a big fan of what you were talking about, and you're, you're open about that, and you're, you're not shy and letting people know what, what needs to be heard and what needs to be done. So, you know, you're doing a good job there. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, I think other people might categorise that as me being a bit of a mouthpiece, but... No, I, I, I appreciate that and, and I experience a lot of imposter syndrome whenever I'm doing those things. So it's really encouraging for you that, to hear that from you. So thank you, Dermot. Um, so yes, how, how should we finish off the interview? Um, let's talk about the what you're hopeful about. What, what brings you hope? Because I asked Dr. Adair Gilliland last week about that and he, he named a few things that kind of keep him going and, you know, what he hopes you know, happens at the end of all this, whenever that will be. So what gives you... Well, I know now they're talking in the UK that there might be sort of a vaccine ready for some people uh, at the end of next month, which uh, I still think is a bit mm-hmm. early, so I'm not putting my hopes on that. In fact, I can, I can say right now that yeah. it's not going to happen. But what I am taking encouragement with is, you know, that it's, it's not going to happen, but it looks like it could be here, because I was thinking maybe the end of next year, but... But when you these we talk, that it might be possible by December, it might give me hope that maybe come springtime there'll be something rolled out for the people that needed it. Anyway. Yeah. So that gives me a bit of hope. But 
but I'm kind of itching to get back and doing some of the file off because, you know, I think must be fine this, this year, like, I mean, I've been in lockdown now, yeah. 240 odd days, and one of the things I'm really looking forward to is getting back into doing a bit of cosplaying again, which I know you know that they do quite a bit of Stephen. Yes. Yeah. You, I, I know you really enjoy that stuff, and um, I wish I had the, how do I put this? I, I, I wish I was brave enough to do it as well because it seems like you have a lot of fun doing it. Um, I just know if I was to walk out of my house in the Shankville State dressed as Ned Stark. Well, you know, you know that is, um, but, um, I was kind of reluctant to do it the very first time. You know, a couple of friends were just watching it. In fact, it was one of my friends, Will Conby from Momo, said that just let me do it as an excuse to show off his artistic skills, if nothing else. Yeah. I just like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And then the moment I went on and did it, it's just like, I, I'm hooked on it now. But what I find is great because even the people, I find there a lot of people that do cosplay, they maybe have some sort of underlying different degrees of mental health issues or health issues of some kind. And it's a great yeah. way for them. People come together, come dress up, and just not, I don't want to say it frees them from it, but it makes it easier for. Uh, people in cosplay to talk about their issues. Like one of the things with me being uh, with me being disabled yeah. and being just over three foot, that um, ordinarily, as your dad would have known, people would shy away and sort of look at my comments. Whereas when I cosplay, they'll come up, they'll talk about the costume first, oh, that's great. And then they'll go, well, tell me about yourself then afterwards. And the more we, yeah. the more we open the having a conversation about disability or mental health, whatever it might be, with other people. And it just gives you that yeah. two, three minute window of opportunity just to impart one bit of wisdom or one bit of knowledge to them that then go away and they'll know something more about that now. And I just think that, like, the car play for me is it's great to dress up and I love to dress up and I love pretending that I'm Tyrion Lannister or I'm Thanos yeah. from the Avengers. But it, but it, but it also just gives me an opportunity yeah. to just to say, well, you know, this is who I am and this is what it did to be disabled. Not that different for me. And then if they can go away with knowing that yeah. one little thing, well, that's great. So I would encourage you, Stephen, just maybe to do that. Maybe not walk up and down Campbell Road and you're on with it, but maybe get off, get off till uh, the <laughs> Comic Con. I think there's maybe one coming to Belfast. It was meant to be one coming this year, but it didn't happen. But uh, Comic Con Northern Ireland should be coming right. back next year. So I tell you what, whenever it comes, I'll I'll give you a shout and we'll, we'll meet up in cosplay. That sounds good. That sounds good. I look forward to that. I don't know what I'm going to dress up <laughs> as yet, but I will go. I'll let you know so that we can coordinate. Um, Listen, Dermot, thank you so much for talking to me today. I really appreciate it. You've really put a smile on my face. Um, it's been a privilege. Um, guys, uh, thank you for listening to this podcast. That's been myself and, and Dermot Devlin. Dermot is, what's all your roles again? So you're the, the vice chair of the Fermanagh. And, and you, I'm a trustee council disability yeah. advisor group. And the chairman of the Omar Access Farm. And I run my way access quite a few things there <laughs> and he also has a podcast Felicity with McKee is it Felicity McKee access all areas so you can get that all on the uh, same podcast site so as I'm sure that this two shall pass as well as well 
That's right. I think so. So once you finish listening to this podcast, check out Dermot's because I'm all, I'm confident <laughs> that it's, it's better. <laughs> <than this one. laughs> Listen, Dermot, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. I hope you're keeping well. I hope you, your family's keeping well as well. Let me come on and chat to a few people as well as yourself. Not a problem. I think we'll be doing this again sometime soon. I really okay, hope so. Dude. Take Bye-bye. care of yourself, mate. Well, guys, that was uh, myself and Dermot Devlin talking about mental health, living with a disability throughout mental health or throughout lockdown. Sorry, and the impact lockdown has had on Dermot and how he manages that. I have to say that was um, one of the best interviews I've ever done with anybody. I really enjoyed that. It really lifted my spirits. And in a lot of ways, this podcast we were, we talked about that a wee bit during the interview as to why Dermot and myself do podcasts and why we create them. And for me, it was a way of, I think, reflect, being able to reflect out loud on how I feel about things, how my mental health affects me, how I look after myself as well, and also how I let other people look after me, because that's one thing that I will talk about at length on another episode, I hope in the future, is allowing yourself to be looked after by people who care about you. Um, if you're like me and you live with, um, you know, anxiety, depression and a personality disorder, um, it can be difficult to look after yourself, but it can be also even more difficult to accept help. So please, if you're out there and you are struggling, please just know that you are important and that you are loved. And there are people around you that want to help you and want to look after you. And sometimes it's okay to let them in and let them help you through that because having a mental health problem, having a mental health issue, having a personality disorder, etc. That's hard enough doing it on your own. So please don't feel that you have to do it on your own. I said this before, if you want to, you can you can contact myself. I might not have the answers for you, but I can, I can point you in the right direction. Um, please reach out to your friends and family your colleagues, uh, whoever you hold dear and close in your life, because if they really do care about you, then they'll want to know that you're okay. And if you're not okay, they'll want to help you. So I'm going to stop rambling now. Thanks again so much for tuning into this. I have been really... You guys have really um, encouraged me a lot with the response to this podcast and the amount of people that are listening to it. I never thought it would be this successful. And yeah, I hope you're well. I hope your families are well. And wash your hands, wear a mask, and watch your space. Take care. Bye bye.